How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. It's episode number 15, Time Flies When You're Having Fun. And on this episode, we continue to look back at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight and divert a bit from the regular format as well, as we will bring on a special guest. 30 years ago this week was an interesting one for me. I traveled to Kansas City to attend the WCW Kansas City Clash of the Champions, which was held on January the 22nd, and it was the introduction of Kip Fry, who replaced Jim Hurd at the organization. I was back in New York for the radio show, which featured a few in-studio guests. More on that later. The team is here and ready. Joining me, as he does each week, is renowned wrestling journalist, my co-host, Mr. Bob Smith. How you doing, Bob? 15 episodes, John. 15. And they said it wouldn't last. They said it wouldn't last. <laughs> and here we are. Episode 15. Uh, now uh, getting into the winter, uh, the cold winter months of 1992 up in the big city in New York City at uh, WEVD. But uh, it's great to be back for another week, Bob. Absolutely. And we have a really special show, I think. As it turns out, we're going to do some very different things in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we look forward to all of that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. And also with us, our producer, our editor, residing in the province of Quebec in Montreal, A-Rob Alex Robertson. Hey, Alex. Hey, John. 15 episodes in and we still have so much more to go. And you haven't quit yet. No, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> You're getting uh, to learn a lot of wrestling history. I tell you that. Um, and you know what? You know what, John? I will commend you on being an American and actually saying the word Quebec properly. The go. amount of times that I've had to cringe or or correct people for not saying it properly, even Canadians don't say it properly. So thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Alex. It's uh, great to have you here, and uh, uh, we'll be getting a little bit more into Alex's history in some of the future episodes of the show, so everyone can get to know her a little bit better. And we're also going to be bringing on the one-man wrestling and encyclopedia, our friend Donnie Leibel, who will be joining us shortly from sunny Florida. He's probably the warmest of all of us right now. But before we begin... I definitely would like to give you a a few new updates regarding our Patreon account. We are now accepting annual memberships. Many of you have asked about this, and we were able to accommodate this option for you. So not only do you not have to worry about monthly charges, whether it's the $5 basic uh, monthly membership, it makes it very simple on Patreon. Uh, So the annual option is there for you now. And we already had a few people that uh, decided to uh, uh, to subscribe annually so they don't have to get charged every single month. There's so much content there right now, 170 pieces of wrestling history, to be exact. Every episode of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show from April 1989 through January 1992 are there. Of course, new episodes every single week. Plus, there are vintage photo sets, bonus audio dating back to the early 1970s, videos, 8mm clips from 1973 and 74, and a whole lot more at patreon.com slash John You also have the option to receive vintage magazines sent to you monthly as well. 
Uh, I spoke about the Kip Fry uh, press conference, which I attended 30 years ago, and I put that entire event on the Patreon account, so it's there for you to listen to. And that was really interesting because uh, Mike Tenay was sitting next to me. George Napolitano was at the table with me. Uh, we were asking a lot of questions. There were several others there, but it was really George, myself, and Tenay asking Kip uh, questions, and Kip had a very short run at WCW. So if you want to hear that entire thing, which also includes Dusty Rhodes, uh, I remember that very well because that's the day I got Dusty to sign that magazine uh, from Ring magazine from Ring Wrestling Magazine, August 1979, when I had that story about wrestling him. And uh, so Dusty signed it that day, and that was a real treat. But uh, really fascinating stuff, an insider uh, and that's so unusual for the day. An insider's uh, press conference with Kip Fry, Dusty Rhodes, and some others from WCW. So that's there. I've uncovered a lot of new content in the archives over the last couple of weeks, including Vince Russo's first two solo shows on radio at WGBB. And we're going to be covering those when we cover the breakup between Russo and I in March. So it's really a great time to join Patreon. Uh, that offsets our production costs, the fees associated with distribution and marketing of the show. Five bucks a month goes a long way here. For that same $5 a month, you'll get this podcast each Sunday, four days before it's distributed to everybody else. And it's also commercial free on Patreon. Once again, patreon.com slash John Arezzi to check it all out. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, Bob, tonight's show begins a little differently. We're going to bring on a friend and the co-writer of my memoir, Matt Memories, from SlamWrestling.net. Mr. Greg Oliver will be joining us. So, uh, Bob, take it away. Yes, and uh, for the few of you who may not have heard about it, the actual full name of the book is Matt Memories, My Wildlife in Pro Wrestling, Country Music, and with the Mets. And also, a nice little piece of trivia is that when the book was first released on the Amazon charts, it debuted at number one in wrestling biographies. And, John, you had a hit on your hands, and rightfully so, because there's very few stories like your story, my friend. Yeah, I've had a crazy life, as Greg will attest to. I mean, um, uh, I think uh, people were surprised to read about it. And um, I get comments all the time still, and I get these little messages from people and people who read the book, uh, whether it's the audio version or the paperback copy, that they've learned quite a bit about uh, my journey through the careers that I've had. Uh, and uh, it's still out there. And uh, I'm just uh, proud of it and uh, really grateful for Greg for being a part of it. Well, I, was, I remember I was excited when you told me that Greg was part of the project because uh He's written so much and, and so many different kinds of wrestling books that he's he really is one of the most prolific uh, and most famous wrestling writers out there today. That's for sure. Yeah. And you never met him. No, no, no. Personally, no. I, you know, so, oddly enough, there's a lot of people that were around in my day that I actually didn't meet. Like I only met Cornette like twice, hmm. you know, and a lot of the other stuff. I met Hogan twice. You know, I, there's a situation as managing editor, you stay in the office a lot and everybody else gets to go out and have fun. <laughs> you yeah, know? You'd have some guests occasionally come in and you've talked about those. So, uh, yes, yeah, so once in a while. Yeah. 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 Bill Mascaris drops by for lunch. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a different job. It's, it's, I'll put it this way back in the PWI days. It's like, um, conversations were like this. Was Kamala there? And the answer is no, but Mrs. Kamala said he'd be back at six. 
and you, when you hear things like that, you realize you have a unique job. Absolutely. Kamala. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, why don't we bring Greg on? Yeah, I'd love that. Greg, you there? I am here. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. On the new show. I'm- yes, the fairly new show. I mean, this is episode 15, uh, started in October. And well, here we are. And welcome to the new Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Well, I've been privy to hearing so much of the headaches and you talking about the different ideas and things, John, that it's always good when a when a plan comes together, if we're going to quote uh, something that Alex won't get at all, if uh, our A-team references. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, <laughs> it was difficult getting the show off the ground after uh, Arcadian and Vanguard, and uh, it was really a, a very difficult uh, uh, search for me to find that right person who would be uh, – on the same uh, generation uh, covered wrestling back in those uh, days that we cover here on the podcast. And, and uh, you know, not only is Donnie liable uh, with us now too, and, but Bob was kind of a guy that uh, co-hosted uh, pro wrestling spotlight with me you know, all those years ago. And um, he was kind of the, uh, a much different dynamic than Brian last. So it was uh and when I asked Bob to do it and he said, yes, I was really happy. So the point is that if we were writing the book today, we'd have to put Bob over in it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, did you ever tell Donnie that uh, we, we threw him in at the last minute? Yeah, we just threw him right in at the end, you know. You but you saved the best for last, I think. <laughs> you know, Donnie is always like, you know, how, how Donnie is probably the guy, uh, you know, I've known George Napolitano. Uh, but as far as a friendship goes uh, with somebody, uh, probably the longest friendship that I have in my life, actually, because uh, we met when he was a teenager and I was a teenager. And, and uh, you know, I have a lot of very close friends that uh, I met in college, but that was after I met Donnie, uh, too. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to speak to somebody uh, almost every day with Don now that you've actually known for, um, can I dare to say 50 years? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, that's, that's really, that's really great. I mean, you got a friendship like that. Hold on to it. Cause you know, those my are goodness, rare. Yes. Yes. I, I lost my best friend from high school and uh, you know, I miss him every day. So it's like, yeah. if you guys knew each other back in those years, hold on to it, man. Cause that's, that's a rare thing. It's really yeah. good. And, and even some of my college friends who have taken ill and, uh, one of my best friends from school is uh, dealing with Parkinson's and, and, and it's just like, it's just life is so precious and every day is a gift. And I mean, there's no reason to um, uh, have anyone piss you off. And if you, people piss you off, you get rid of them. But the friendships that you develop over the years, the good ones yeah. you cherish. Mm-hmm. And I cherish the friendship I've had with Donnie. Well, speaking of gifts, your book makes a great gift, but we'll get into that right, oh, it does, right now. Yeah. See the segue? segue? I'm learning radio, folks. Anyway, there you go. Uh, there you go. Any, anyway, uh, I, I let's let's get. A, I got a bunch of questions here, and here's a really simple one. I think you were doing uh, the show with Brian as you wrote this book. Is that correct? Yes. 
So how did the initial idea for the book come about? Was it something you wanted to do? Were you approached by somebody? Well, I, I think after when he wrote his book, he got approached by someone. It, was it a different story for no, you? No, it, it was totally different. And, and the Brian Last relationship, actually, uh, even though I've known Brian, I was a guest on some of his podcasts before the book. And as I was just you know, getting back in to wrestling, uh, Brian uh, had interviewed me a few times uh, before I got back into wrestling, but we didn't start the podcast until well after the book, around the same time the book was signed, maybe. But what happened was, is since I was getting back into wrestling and uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always felt that there was a book in me based on everything that I did. And I, I knew that um, Michael Holmes was the guy at ECW Press, and they did a lot of wrestling titles. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I wrote a email to Michael. Uh, I think it was in January of 2019. And, and I believe the person who made a referral, if I'm not mistaken, could have been Tim Hornbaker. So I wrote an email to Michael, and ironically, the same day, he got back to me, and he says, yeah, I know who you are. Uh because I described who I was and my history. And he goes, I know who you are because I was just watching your interview on YouTube with Vince Russo because he had published Russo's book. So uh, then we scheduled a phone call and he was interested in doing my story and publishing my story on the caveat that I would need somebody to write it with. Because initially I was even thinking my nephew could help me with it and, and he's like, you need a you need a credible writer. And at the same time, I was planning on going to the CAC, the Cauliflower Alley reunion. He goes, why don't you go out to, uh, when you're in CAC, look up two guys, Scott Teal, who I'd known, uh, not well, and Greg Oliver, who I didn't know at all. And when I went to Vegas, that's when I met, uh, uh, talked to Scott, and he just was all over the place. And I, I guess he was, uh, he was not in a good frame of mind that week for whatever reason. Uh, but, uh, but Greg and I spoke, and I'm going to let Greg take it from there because we had the introduction. I pitched the book, and initially it was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> First off, I, I that's a great company to be in with Scott Teal. Uh, Scott Teal does Crowbar Press. And yeah. uh, he's a great writer and he's a different writer than I am for sure. Uh, and that's not a knock. It's just, everybody comes at projects differently and uh, we both respect and like each other a lot. Um, but yeah, no, John approached me. I, I knew his name. I didn't know a lot about him or certainly that he'd been back in the business a tiny bit with uh, the Vince Russo part. Um, but I remember talking to my roommate at the Colorado Alley Club reunion and I just said, ah, well, I got approached about a book. I'm not sure I'm thrilled about it because it's about wrestling. I don't really want to do wrestling. At that point, I'd done like six hockey books, I think, that had come out. And so I, I sort of saw myself as more as a wrestling guy. But the more I thought about it, when John talked about his country music background and then his details with the Mets, however brief they may have been, that was intriguing to me because I, I you know, wrestling is great and all, but I want to keep learning. I want to keep finding out new things and, and, and improving as a writer. And they all come into that aspect here is John's project was about way more than just pro wrestling. So I had to learn more and it became intriguing and, and I'm glad I jumped in. Um, I can't say I was a hundred percent sold on it right away. Is that a good way to put it, John? We talked a couple of times and uh, yeah. 
we got to that point. Yeah, I kind of spilled my guts out to you on a couple of the phone calls early on, and you were getting a little bit more intrigued with uh, what I went through and some of the things I did. Now, if only the working that, you know, spilling your beans and all your stories would work on the women, eh? You would have been married by now, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at it now. I'm ready to join Match.com now at the age of 65. And, <laughs> and, and you know, I should have thought about that years ago. But, yeah, never got married. Uh-uh. Well, you know, it's interesting, what Greg, what you just said about his book, his story, John's story, is because the book, ostensibly is for wrestling fans, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's a story about a determined young man who wanted to do what he wanted to do in life. And that included baseball. That included country music. So there was a lot of facets to what's going on that make it unlike any other wrestling book I ever read. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with me and and throughout my life. And it was always something where I, if I grew tired or something, I jumped to the next thing. And all I knew was that I was a loner when I was a kid. I, I, um, kind of buried myself in the basement of our house to escape. And, uh, my loves were music, especially the Beatles back then, not even, not country music, but the New York Mets were a big part of it. And of course, pro wrestling was, And I decided early on, you know, before I was 10 years old, that I was going to try to live a life that uh, I did some exciting things. And I was never I was never really good with the nine to five situation or a job that just seemed like a regular job to me. And I got fired from a lot of my early jobs from uh, being a a paper boy. My first job uh, in 1969. uh, I had a fight with the uh, the manager of the office because I'd got done I got done uh, doing my route, and then he asked me to sweep the floor of the office, and I said, "Go sweep your own floor." and and uh, And then he took fence to that, and he put my head against the wall, and uh, and then my mother went over there to beat the shit out of him. So anyway, and then I got fired from another job at a supermarket because I was supposed to cover a wrestling match in Boston. Uh, I think I was seventeen. And uh, I'd taken the day off, and then the manager says, well, we need you this weekend. And I was cleaning string beans in a bucket, and I turned the bucket over. I said, go fucking clean your own string beans. Oh. <laughs> and I walked out of the supermarket. So I never really I never really, um, I never never really, really gravitated to a regular job, so I knew that I was kind of unique. And, and, and uh, Greg, did you pick up on that when, when you were I, – I don't know the process of how you two put the book together. But, um, in fact, let's talk about that. How did you guys put the book together? Well, it became evident to me pretty quickly that you had to sort of compartmentalize pieces of his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the baseball stuff, for as intriguing as it was, it really wasn't a lot. So you sort of knew that was a chapter. And I, as I recall correctly, that was probably the first one I wrote. Um, but I tried to keep John on track and he's actually not bad compared to some of my other experiences with people. Uh, you know, if we wanted to talk just about, you know, tell me about being a music executive, we would stick with that and I would collect, collect, collect. And eventually I I describe it as you, you sort of reach a tipping point where, you know, you have enough stuff to write about that particular subject. So you keep drilling on them. You keep, you know, doing some more research and you, you make, you know, hunt down something else. The fact is, you, you mentioned earlier about how it's not just a wrestling book. That was very much on purpose that I tried to tone down some of the wrestling, right? We could have done a whole lot more about wrestling. 
but I knew John had the podcast. I knew all those other avenues were out there for him to talk about it. And that people who are in the country music or baseball might be picking this up. So we had to keep it a little bit simple, I guess. And some of the wrestling stuff, you didn't need to go in all the backstage stuff. And uh, you have to explain maybe a little bit more than I do in, in somebody else's book. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing about it, you know, when I, when I did read the book, and by the way, the audio book is awesome too. I don't know if any people realize that um, the book is available at Audible and in other sources as an audio book, which is a nice job by you, John, in putting that together. Yeah, I insisted on being the voice for the audio book. And even though I had not one, done one before, uh, I have been a broadcaster. So, I mean, that was kind of a, a thrill for me to be able to read my own story on uh, in audio. And was that time-consuming? Well, was it hard? Yeah, it's a lot of work, isn't it, John? Yeah. It is. Um, I think we recorded over a two-week period of time, uh, not every single day. And then uh, after the uh, the producer of the audiobook, I mean, they'd go over it and then I'd have to go back uh, for cleanup, you know, to re-enunciate some things to you know, they caught, you know, little glitches, which happens in every uh, every audio book. And the process was a real interesting one for me. And I was able to record it here in Nashville, uh, which was great because I knew a lot of recording studios and uh, Tantor Media was the. Uh, publisher of the audiobook in conjunction with ECW Press. Uh, so I knew the people there in that studio. So that made it a little bit more comfortable for me. Wow. And it, it's, was it um, very time consuming or, or did it take a, 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 what you would consider a normal amount of time to get it all read? Yeah, I think it was for them, it was pretty quick too, because uh, I, I was really good at uh, reading it. And uh, the one thing that was really cool was the fact that, you know, here I am coming in as John Arezzi, but, you know, they all knew me as John Alexander. So that's, you know, everybody in Nashville knew me as John Alexander. So people were really surprised that I had, a you know, a, another name and that I also was in wrestling where a lot of people in this industry in country music where I spent really uh, shoot uh, moved down to Nashville in 2000 and stayed in the music business really till uh, 2014 or so, 15, maybe even further with Ben Twango. I mean, so people always knew me as John Alexander. So this other side, this other story, this other identity was really surprising to a lot of people. But it made it easy uh, to market it in a way because I could market it to wrestling fans or ECW Press could. And then we can market it for John Alexander with the country music audience and the people here in Nashville who knew me really well. You know, it sounds crazy, but that's a really nice run in the music business. Uh, something you know, I've been involved in too. Yeah, that amount of time is a long time because even in the BMGs of the world and the, and the Sonys of the world, people get fired in a year, two years, three years. They bring in a new executive to run the place and put it out the door. So the fact that you were able to stick it out for that amount of time is something to kind of be proud of, I would think. Yeah, I spent 10 years at uh, it was a Jones Media Networks initially working for a, a country music television network called Great American Country and Jones Radio Networks. And in 2004, they were sold to Scripps Networks, uh, which was a very large company that owned HGTV, the Food Network, Cooking Channel, Travel Channel. Uh, and they bought GAC. And uh, the radio people that I was working for, uh, they... Uh, wanted to retain me as well, but GAC did. So I stayed with them. But yeah, I had a nice run there, 10 years. 
And then uh, I went over to work uh, at a record company as their vice president of uh, strategic marketing and artist management. And that's Black River Entertainment in Nashville. Boy, I had no idea because I was working for the entertainment magazine and I was getting Black River stuff all the time. Yeah, and I had no idea you John were involved. Yeah, yeah. I was managing Sour Darling there and also bringing in uh, companies to do strategic partnerships like the city of Nashville tourism board, uh, the Grammy foundation uh, and getting, uh, uh, you know, deals uh, with companies like uh, moon pie and Durango boots. And it was just kind of doing the strategic marketing stuff. Uh, and then I found this kid, Kelsey Ballerini brought her into yeah. the company who's become a huge star today. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I, I was in a place at that time when I went over to the record label, it was, it was a little bit more than a startup, but they were owned by billionaires. But the guy that was running it, uh, was a new newbie, uh, in the music business. And I helped him staff it. And we used to, we butted heads a lot. Uh, and I was managing uh, this girl, Sarah Darling, and I felt that she was going to be a breakthrough superstar. Uh, uh, but uh, in my opinion, they didn't do the right things to really bring it all the way home for her. And I and I was a maniac. Uh, my Italian temper was uh, evident. Uh, and uh, I have to say that uh, some of the employees there that I, I had little patience with and with my boss, I had, you know, not a lot of patience with. It was a it was probably the most stressful three years of my life working at that label. And then I got fired uh, in uh, the middle of 2013. And uh, then I went out on my own and that's where things got difficult again, uh, trying to, you know, break sour darling. And, and then I get fired by her a year later, uh, had some back surgery and things weren't escalating as quickly as she wanted. And, and then it was kind of like I was on my own uh, in 2015, and that was a rough year. You know, all the money that I made uh, working at uh, the GAC and then later on at Black River, I took a real big pay cut to go there. Uh, but then, you know, in 2015 was a horrible year after my back surgery, and I had no income in 2015. And then I uh, started a company to raise uh, funds, a crowdfunding company for country for developing an emerging country music artist with a, a guy that I used to manage in New York years ago. And we had polar opposite personalities. Uh, and uh, that's when I got tired of the music business. And that's when I felt, uh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so mm -hmm. as in my history, uh, I go back to the first love that I had professionally and that was pro wrestling. Well, which brings you full circle back, yeah. back on the airwaves and back with this book. Yeah. So guys, now that the book's been out a considerable amount of time, what has the reaction been like from your peers, from the fans, both, I said to both of you, uh, how, how has the reaction been? I'm going to let Greg handle that first and then I'll. Well, I, I first want to commend John that he knew how to market it. He got out there and hustled. and, and He really did. Hustling. Yeah. And, and that's that's a rare commodity. Um, the previous autobiography I did on a hockey goalie, Gilles Graton, Gratuni the Looney, I mean, he was great when he got on the radio or on TV, but he just didn't hustle it. Uh, so it was sort of disappointing with the sales. And that's, you know, that's the reality sometimes. You take a chance anytime you do these kind of things. Uh, my wife wrote the book with The Missing Link, Dewey Robertson, and he passed away like less than a year after the book came out. I mean, you can't help that, right? So that's not mm -hmm. going to help sales. 
Uh, but John's been out there hustling. Uh, he knows how to get his message across. He knows his audience, whether he's talking to a wrestling audience or it's a country music or even some a little baseball stuff he's done. Uh, and that's all to John's credit. And and he's also not forgotten me. He puts me over. So that's appreciated. Yeah. Uh, and the next two books I'm working on are directly responsible or, or, or direct connection to John. You know, obviously, I've had to do a little selling on my own to convince somebody to do it. But I'm doing Medusa Michelli's book. Uh, and she was Alundra Blaze in WWF. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an incredible story. It's going to blow people's minds. Uh, just all that she went through. And the the monster truck stuff. She went on to become a monster truck driver, which is not. Mm-hmm. And nobody's written a book for adults about monster trucks. Like that was really surprising to find out. And uh, and then I'm doing a book with John Gibbons, who used to be the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's obviously a connection that goes back to John's days with baseball. And that's also his ability to stay connected to people. And that's very much... Um, He's like his sister that way. They they stay in touch with a lot of people over the years, and that's that's a real good thing to be, John. Thanks, Greg. I mean, yeah, those relationships go deep. And when uh, Deborah Medusa started talking to me about the way she wanted to do a book, and I just felt it would have been a great opportunity for her to have uh, to work with you on it, and you guys connected, and you guys. Uh, agreed and and you worked it out and now that book is going to be like you said it's going to be a phenomenal story about this woman who has done so many incredible things in wrestling and monster trucks and for gibby that was a little bit uh more difficult because he uh initially eh, i don't know about a book and you know and he knew a lot of top sports writers and uh but when he finally agreed to say yeah i think i'll do a book uh, I immediately thought of Greg and hooked John Gibbons up with Greg and they hit it off. And actually uh, Greg has gone down to Texas and spent time with John and his uh, wife and, and John's mom. And, and, you know, like, like Greg does, uh, he came to Nashville to get artifacts and photos and he went to John's uh, as well. And uh, so I can't wait for both of these books to come out in 2023. And, uh, and I'm very happy uh, to be able to connect uh, good friends with good people and and make things happen. I mean, that's what I've done all my life. I've been a connector, and I've tried to stay um, – uh, I've always tried to help people who have helped me. In, in a different world, you went under the mob, John, and, and was a connector that way probably too. So you know. Yeah, well, that's in the book. Let's not uh... – <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to give it all away. Go buy the book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those, yeah. So, yeah, some of the people I, I was associated with back then in the music business in the '80s were could blow people's minds when they read about it. And of course, my dad uh, being associated with folks uh, when I was a youngster, and uh, and Donnie, uh, you know, Donnie was around back in the day too. With my dad uh, back then, uh, he did never meet Fritzy or some of the other characters that my dad hung around with. But uh, it was an interesting childhood growing up. And so that's why for me, I think I'm kind of a chameleon. I can always uh, adapt to whoever I'm doing business with, whether it's uh, uh, people whose uh, family was uh, high up in the mob or billionaires like the Pagulas. And uh, and then you have everyone else underneath from, you know, so I I think it's been a really interesting ride for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, like I said, I'm going to be, uh, you know, by the time this show uh, drops, I'll be 65 and um, on Medicare now, which is kind of a cool thing. You know, I got my first 90 day prescriptions in the mail for zero cost. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, Social Security and all of that stuff. And uh, but I'm not done. You know, I don't feel 65. You know, I really don't. And uh, I was on a Zoom with a, a good friend of mine from college, a sports agent in Chicago that I'm hooking John Gibbons up with to do some television stuff, hopefully. And we get on a Zoom and um, and, you know, this guy looks at me and he goes, uh, let me just ask you, what hair color do you use? I was like, I don't use any. And he goes, get out of here. And I'm like, I don't use hair color. I got my hair. It's still brown i mean at 65 years old i got some gray things and i see some of the salt and pepper coming out but um but i don't know why i just don't feel 65 i don't act 65 uh i feel like a kid still in a lot of ways and i'm not done i still got projects that i want to do and things i want to accomplish uh before retirement and so i just got to keep going you know you got to keep going in life and and I think anyone who wants to really read the story, and I think a lot of people who have contacted me, uh, not just people who read the book and fans and uh, people in the country music and pro wrestling fans, but uh, other people who are, are interested in doing other types of projects with me that involve film, television, they're all like, you have had a life that's kind of the American dream that, um, that anybody can aspire to. Because you never gave up and you just kept forging ahead no matter what. And you've done some really cool things that not a lot of people can say because you've been involved in high profile industries like wrestling and baseball and music. So I'm like, yeah, I guess it's been a pretty, uh, as they say, the movie, it's been a wonderful life. But that's the thing. I think for all of us who are aging, as it were, uh, you don't think about what you've done while you're doing it. It takes the passage of a few decades that you look back and you go, hey, that was kind of cool, you know, and, yeah. you, and then you get hit with a sense of gratefulness, if that's a word. You're grateful for all the things, all the good things that happened and uh, you realize you accomplished more than you probably thought you did while you were doing it. Yeah. That's and you learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even just sitting down with John Gibbons there in Texas, he said a couple of times, you've had an interesting life, Greg just because I can spin off all these stories of these people I've dealt with. And you don't think of it that way because you're just doing your job, right? You're talking mm -hmm. to people. And Arezzi is one of those interesting people, or there's even, you know, Alex on here became a friend and I helped mentor a little bit and she's done wonderful stuff for you, John, and took her away from me. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful life. You're right. That's a good way to put it. It really yeah. is. And you learn from everything too. And, and believe me, I, I'm not, uh, I am not, uh, I've had a lot of times in my life and a lot of mistakes that I made and decisions that were not the best ones, uh, especially on the financial front, you know, because I made a lot of money in a lot of years and I traveled around. I went to Met games all over the place. I helped family members out and, and you never think that the gravy train's going to, go dry you know and and then it does and you're like oh shit now what do i do that i'm uh you know my 60s and i'm like all right you know what happens next you know i can't survive on a social security check that's for sure so that drives me as well uh but i wouldn't do it any other way i think because i had a 
I had an incredible journey. I like doing whatever the freak I wanted for a lot of years and, and giving my nephew incredible experiences and, and, um, and, and really interacting with all kinds of people. And so, I mean, what the heck, you know? Some things are worth more than money. I agree. You know, it, 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 I don't want to sound corny, you know, but some things are really worth more than money. I, I was on the road with my band for 15 years. You know how much I made? Center of a donut. Do I regret it? Not go. for one minute. I never heard that phrase, center of a donut. Right. I mean, kind of cool. I mean, I don't regret a minute. I had experiences that I could never have had if I hadn't stuck my neck out and tried. You know, and, you know, I had yeah. records on the radio. I was a, a lucky guy. So, yeah. Um, you know, you and then, like I said, it takes the passage of your time. You look back and go, "Hey, it was worth it." Yeah, like, and I, I'm glad to see you feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, like Dusty Rhodes sat on my head. Who could say that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, I love the book, and I'm so happy it's still out there. And uh, it's been uh, it's been something that at least you know, to the day I not here anymore, I could say that I had a a story about my life out there. Well, this is why I, you know, I'll admit it, I came up with this idea for the show because the book is quite a piece of work. And for those of you out there who haven't heard it yet, get yourself a copy of it and read it as soon as you can, because, you know, it's a really inspiring story. It's a lot of fun. There's laughs, there's pathos, you name it, it's in there. And I think it's worth everybody's time. It really is. Yeah, and it's out everywhere. I mean, you could go to Audible, get it, get the audio version. You could go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books. It's there. Oh. And I'll be more than happy to uh, uh, give you a signed and numbered copy of it. Uh, all you got to do is send me an email, uh, and that is at uh, john at mattmemories.com. You know, we could do a Venmo. We could do a PayPal. But uh, I'll be more than happy to sign a copy for you if you want to buy it directly from me. John at mattmemories.com would be the email address. And um, we'll make sure you, we get one out to you. I mean, I'd love to uh, be able to move a few more of these books. That's that's the commerce, but uh, I I real I, I I just mean it in terms of uh, it being. I, I got mentioned in the book a couple of times, and I was very proud of that. I really was, John. I, I the fact that our friendship lasted all those years, and that you remembered our times together. Uh, yeah, that really put a lift in my shoe. It really did, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for all this too. Yeah, this has been a, a great ride so far with the podcast. And th this idea that you had to talk to me, you were like, you know what? You, you mentioned a plug every week, you know, get a book at this thing. And why don't we just kind of spend some time on discussing the book with you? And then, uh, ironically, Greg calls me uh, to check in and like he does, uh, you know, once a week or every other week. And Is said, that right? Yeah. So I'm like, uh, hey, listen, uh, we, we tape on Thursday night and would you come on and, and, and you could be a part of this? And he said, yes. And that was kind of cool. And so here we are. Well, Greg, after, after your lifetime in wrestling, uh, as you look back on the book he did with John, what's, what's your best uh, memory from all this? Oh, probably going down to uh, Nashville just before the pandemic. I went down with Bob Kapoor. February, um, 2020. Yeah, exactly. Just before the pandemic. So February. And then, um, you know, we had a great time. John used his connections. We got to sit on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. Um, fell in love with Runaway June uh, yeah. from behind. They were uh, quite a, uh, quite an act to watch. I got to meet Crystal Gale and and Whisper and Bill and all these people that uh, country music legends. 
Um, but just hanging out was equally cool. Uh, massive stakes out at Scott Teal's place. So all that really adds up to, you know, it's an experience that is was the Sunday, you know, it's the topping on the Sunday when we finished the book. And you met Sarah Darling. You met Sarah Darling too. And, and if I did the book today, I would definitely do it differently in the sense that I'd probably talk to more people from John's life. Um, Cause I found that's been incredibly useful with uh, Medusa's book. Um, but Arezzi's was a nice, you know, self-contained story in a way. And there was a lot to try to fit in there. Um, yeah. So I think it worked really well and I, I appreciate it. And of course, all of it ties in well to my other gig running slam wrestling.net. Uh, so, you know, you talk to somebody like a Vince Russo for, you know, about Medusa. And then that means I get a little spinoff story I can do on Slam. Uh, all my mm -hmm. books are available at oliverbooks.ca, including the hockey ones and my self-published book on the old actor, Billy Van, which I know John heard a lot about because I was working on it as we were trying to publish his book as it was coming out. So that everything sort of overlaps. One book leads to another, and uh, but you got to keep hustling. Uh, you mentioned earlier when we were off air there, Bob, about uh, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, The Heels. I mean, that book continues to sell. It'll never go out no, well, because, you know, wrestling villains will always be wrestling villains. I'm, I'm sure MJF has read a copy of it. Uh, Dusty Rhodes told me it was in the NXT library. Um, just like Bobby Heenan told us, he kept the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, the tag teams in his bathroom. Like these <laughs> books live, live through the many years and that's, yeah. that's the magic of, uh, of good writing. If you try to make it non-dated in many ways. Plain devil's advocate, knowing Bobby Heenan, he might've meant that two ways, but we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Bobby had a way of, uh, he was the king of snarky, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, first time I ever met him, he just came up and said, who the hell are you? Cause I was talking to Mike today, who John mentioned earlier. So yeah, those are good memories. Yeah. Uh, uh, they all are. It's really great. Well, listen, guys, I'm looking forward to the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, man. Um, I tell you, I don't know if I, I think I have another couple of books in me. I really would like to do a deeper dive into pro wrestling. And um, and uh, so I think there may be one or two more. I don't know. I don't know what the future brings. But uh, before he, he heads out, I mean, uh, I, I would really advise everybody to check out slamwrestling.net because mm -hmm. when it comes to a wrestling news site, when it comes to, uh, you know, and you hate to say obituaries, I mean, but. Oh, my. You're psychic, John. Yes, I was thinking the crazy. same exact thing. It's unfortunate when these when we lose these uh, legends and even some current stars or whatever. But the the work that Greg and his team put into uh, what they do at SlamWrestling.net, it, it, it to me it's the best wrestling news site in the industry. Nobody's even close. That's my opinion. I, I really mean that. I have objective. And like you just and like you They're just objective. said, objectivity. Yeah, but not only that, they're also, you know, it has written with a journalistic eye that very few people do on the internet. Oh, yes. you know, it, it's 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 almost as if you're reading a print publication, but it just happens to be online. And I, I consider that because I don't believe in SEO writing. I believe in, in the good meat and potatoes writing that we all grew up reading, you know, yeah. and uh, you, you're right. Every time there's a big news story about a passing. The first place I go to is slam wrestling. Uh, and I want to compliment you on that because it's like you said, we don't want to be morbid, but it's uh, the job you do in looking back at the careers of the top stars of wrestling is phenomenal. It really is. 
Thank you. No, I appreciate that. But it's all I, I generally try to get more than just their stats, right? Where they wrestled and what titles they won. It's it's about the person. You can't always get it, but you try, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. do a tremendous We're, job. Journalist first. That's a great way to put it. That's the way I've always seen it. I said I, we used to have a slogan: uh, "Pro wrestling journalism is not an oxymoron." So that was sort of uh, you know our take of things at at, pro, at Slam Wrestling. That's cool. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> you know, you know, I could because you know, as as a writer and an editor who've worked from, I've worked for everything from newspapers to national magazines. I see the erosion of standards every day. You know, the the things that were beaten into my head to teach me how to write and edit like a professional. Nobody cares about that stuff anymore. But your your site does, and I, I really appreciate it from from a fan's point of view. Awesome. Yeah. No, I do too. It drives me nuts finding mistakes in my own work or. At least now on the internet, you can change something if you did it wrong, right? So true, true. You just try to acknowledge it generally. A, a typo, I don't have to acknowledge, but if I got a fact wrong, I'm going to put that in the article and say that we screwed up. There you go. All right, then. Um, Greg, I want to thank you. Bob, I want to thank you for uh, coming up with this unique segment of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast. And We'll get on to reviewing uh, what happened 30 years ago. So uh, thank you, Greg, for coming on here today. Well, thanks for having everyone on here. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, enjoy the rest of the time. And now Donnie can get a word in edgewise. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, well, he's uh, he's a guest on this show in studio, uh, the show that we're covering with Michael Mansky, who you may know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we look forward to getting into uh, what we did 30 years ago. Greg Oliver, slamwrestling.net. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Bye-bye. That was great. That was very cool. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. I, I, I'm just uh, – I am a fan of Greg's work. Uh, and, and I don't. I really mean this. Slam Wrestling is the site, period, end of story. Go there first. You need right. news covered, go there. Uh, if yeah. you guys don't know about it, you hopefully you know about it now. Uh, Alex, uh, who's uh, watching, Alex, you've uh, – tell us – Briefly, how you met Greg and how you started working for him. Oh, let me see. Um, it was right out of university. Um, like most of us, having zero idea what we want to do with our lives. Uh, but I did graduate with a journalism degree. And I was still pretty new to the world of wrestling at that point. Um, and I knew that I really wanted to start writing. And um, my boyfriend at the time had a cousin who was very much into the wrestling world here in Quebec. Um, he actually does a lot of the commentary for Monday Night Raw out of a local channel here. And um, he said to me, like, let me introduce you to him because he writes for a wrestling website and maybe he can like help you out or something like that. So when the WWE came to town is when I met him for the first time. And he was like, yeah, totally. Uh, email Greg Oliver and uh, tell him that you you met me and uh, and maybe he can work something out. So sure enough, I did. And uh, Greg uh, called me back and we had a, a phone conversation and he asked me, you know, what kind of stuff are you interested in? And and uh, I started basically from there and I, I worked my way up as, as it was. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to a lot of cool people and uh, especially a lot of the female wrestlers, ones that, you know, you don't see on TV every day, ones that are on the circuit that are grinding 
it out every single day pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. And, you know, hearing the the stories that these women have and where they came from and, you know, all the adversity that they had to overcome, it was it was quite something. So I uh, I really do enjoy writing for Slam and, and, you know, to what both of you said, it's it's probably the best wrestling news website that I've seen out there. I know I'm biased because I write for them, but I do see a lot of stuff out there and uh, and I'm truly proud of, of what Slam does each and every day. Yeah, it's an amazing site and met you through Greg, like you said. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to find out how you guys met. And uh, thank you, Alex. Of course. And Bob, uh, what happened 30 years ago, my friend? Oh, gosh, if I know. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're, this is our show number 15 tonight. And this one's a little different because uh, the show we're about to do is a little bit different. It was show number 144, originally broadcast on January 26th. 1992 and our guest or your guest i should say the journalist the wrestling expert mr don liable as well as michael mansky now i knew mike's name and i know after knew michael mansky really well i never met michael mansky but i know he was involved with sony bmg as a big wig for a long time at one point i believe he was in charge of re-releasing elvis's catalog in various ways he was in, in charge he was in charge of the entire uh, Elvis catalog. And that's when I did business with him, uh, when I was in radio and he would do advertising buys with me we do giveaways, but yeah, he was a vice president for RCA and uh, specifically in charge of the Elvis Presley, uh, catalog, but Big at, catalog. At, at that same time, he was still doing all sorts of wrestling stuff too. He was doing wrestling, uh, VHS tapes, which mm -hmm. we were going to talk about on, on tonight's show. And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, uh, so it was great to have Mike and Mike had been on uh, uh, WNYG with us and then WGBB. I'd always bring Mike on once or twice a year because uh, he'd give away tapes. He knew trivia and, you know, Mr. Trivia, Donnie Liable, getting those two together in the studio uh, mm -hmm. 30 years ago was kind of a cool thing. Well, let's say hello. Hi, Don. Hi. L let me tell you something. You know that phrase being the smartest person in the room? That's Michael Mansky. When you're around Mike, <laughs> you know, you know what you don't know and you learn a lot just by listening. And as John knows, Mike and I were this close to getting a book deal uh, 20 years ago. Uh, we, we, we had representation. We had a, a good, a decent upfront money. The only thing is, uh, as we found out in the, in the uh, publishing industry, they don't they don't offer insurance in case say, somebody wants to sue you for whatever reason. And um, that was pretty much the deal killer with Mike. He said he didn't want to risk anything. And uh, if and it was a trivia book that we were doing. So if Mike wasn't going to do it, I certainly wasn't going to do it. But we came that close to getting, uh, you know, getting a book deal. You know, I think it was, I was on Amazon as a researching Mike. I was on Amazon.com. And you know when you type the name of that book in, it comes up? Does it really still? In the book section, it says the wrestling trivia book by Don Leibel and Michael Mansky, but it <laughs> wow. looks nothing else. Wow. Like, it's wow. not available, obviously. <laughs> but apparently, it was so far into the planning stages that mm -hmm. at least some publisher was planning on putting it out. And you, I guess it just didn't happen, if I'm right about that. Yeah, and, and you know, really, it was an eye-opener. What the... Uh, the literary agent that we had uh, was uh, a friend of Mike's uh, from California. 
And when Mike said that we weren't really excited about doing the deal without some type of insurance, um, our agent fired us. And like within two days, I received a, um, a registered letter saying I couldn't have representation for a year with anybody else. And this and that, I mean, it was that quick where it was like you were yesterday's news. Mm. So, but no, no. you know, one thing I did want to say, I know Greg's not on there, but I know Alex is that, you know, next to the New York Mets, I have two teams in life. And the other team is the New York Islanders. I bleed Islanders. And for five <laughs> years, I was a beat writer for the Utica Comets in the American Hockey League, which is the affiliate then of the Vancouver Canucks. So I spent a lot of time with uh, uh, Coach Travis Green, uh, uh, Benning, um, uh, Trevor Linden, and I had a lot of hockey stories I was going to throw at him there. Uh, so uh, maybe next time uh, I'll get a hold of him and, and throw him some good hockey stories. Well, I mean, he would be the guy to discuss it too, as Alex, because mm -hmm. Alex is also, uh, and she's a hockey player. I mean, she's been on the ice, and she's. You ever slam anybody into the plexiglass? <laughs> oh, you know it, John. I was the smallest girl on the ice, if you can believe it. All five foot four of me, and my mom said, "Listen, you're small, but you're gonna have to take them down. So this is how you're gonna do it." And that's how I made the double letter teams. Let me tell you, you got to be physical. Oh yeah. Wow. You have any videotape? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Wow. But uh, Donnie and, and I were talking a couple of times today, actually, and, um, and we're going back to baseball. He was like, you know, isn't it ironic that we both work for the New York Mets in the same year? Mm -hmm. That was crazy, Don, right? And Donnie yeah. and I have been lifelong Mets fans and... Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's an incredible, uh, many people may not know this, but Don writes incredible, uh, articles and stories about baseball players that uh, he does to this day. And, uh, uh, you know, you call me all excited and <laughs> like with the, uh, you know, with some of the guys that you've got to speak with, um, all the time. So Donnie's always out there researching before we even start this, uh, uh, looking back at what happened, I mean, cause 30 years ago, Joel Goodhart, we covered we covered the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance um, uh, ending uh, pretty extensively uh, when Buddy Rogers was on the show uh, talking about that cancellation. And Donnie was like, hey, listen, can I get uh, Joel's information? I'd like to talk to Joel. And and you did. You found Joel and you talked to him. And I, you spent some time with him about what happened 30 years ago. So before we get into this week's edition, give us a little bit of an update on what's going on with Joel Goodhart and the conversation you had with him. Uh, Joel was, was so fabulous to talk to. He took one deep breath and it was over an hour that I, I barely got questions <laughs> in and I didn't care. Because That's, Joel. It was that, That's Joel. It, it was that great. And by the way, Bob, your name came up in conversation as well uh, amongst the people that he was happy to meet. But when he got out of the wrestling business, it was 15 years that he didn't talk to anybody, go to any matches, watch anything on TV. He just totally divorced himself um, because he felt he had to get away from it. Um, but uh, he did have one uh, episode where people that used to work for Tri-State, they had a reunion. I think it was uh, in 2015, and, and they, they wanted him to come. And Joel said he drove there. It took him an hour and then when he was in a parking lot, he kind of froze and he didn't want to go in because he was trying to separate himself from wrestling. 
and he ended up going in and had a great time. Um, he, he talked a lot about ECW. He said ECW would not have been possible without him. He, and this wasn't being cocky. No. He was telling the, what he believes is the truth, and, and many people would. Uh, he said um, a, a lot of the people in ECW would, would never have been have become who they were without him. Uh, he said the attitude era of them all came from him. Um, he talked about his partnership. Uh, he had two partners. One of them was Todd Gordon. Um, he uh, talked about how some people he would bring in. Uh, he had one interesting story with Kerry Von Erich and, and Jerry Lawler. He said that at the time they were working uh, in Texas and this was on a, a, a Friday and he brought them up to the Philly area for Saturday and Sunday matches. And he had Lala come up with him to make sure Kerry actually showed up. And uh, he said, you know, Kerry had no idea even what town he was in. He said when he was in the ring, he asked the ring announcer, where are we? And then Kerry just turned it on. And uh, he, he said he had a reputation of overpaying people uh, because he wanted to make sure they, they showed uh, not bitter. Uh, I did ask him about the Buddy Rogers and Buddy Landell match, about the refunds and whatnot. And he had told me that um, um, it, they could have either gotten the money at the box office or they could have gotten the money through the athletic commission. Uh, he was very sad about that. He, he talked with Buddy. Uh, he said that, that the match was going to go less than a minute because he, he said Buddy was uh, Rogers was not in any kind of shape to have a match. So the plan would have been to go a minute at the most. And um, he, um, he talked about <clears throat> interesting story when they had Halloween Havoc in Philadelphia. And he wanted to have Bruno as a referee. Uh, uh, Ric Flair wanted Bruno's phone number because they wanted to get him as a referee. And Joel said, look, you know, I always tell people, you give me a phone number, I'm not giving it to anybody. So he said he did not give the phone number to Flair. He called Bruno. Uh, he said he had his phone book, which he threw away. He said I had, you know, inside phone numbers for people at their houses and the, and the regular numbers. And he said he called Bruno. Bruno, they had a three-way call with Flair. They, they came to the conclusion uh, it was going to be $5,000 payday for Bruno. And Joel said he was, like, so excited. He's just listening in on Bruno and Flair talking business. <clears throat> he had a million stories that, you know, if, if, if this is an article to write, it's like a puzzle. And I don't know where to begin, but I know I don't want to leave anything out. It, it brought me back to such excitement. He talked about Sheik. He said, you know, well, Sheik didn't like to fly. He said he was told that years ago the Sheik was banned from several airlines for whatever his behavior was. So he drove everywhere. So like when we saw Sheik and Abby in uh, Philly, they drove from, uh, you know, Detroit and he needed a driver. And uh, the first time he came down, he had Sabu drive him and he put Sabu on the show. Um, he talked a lot about Abby, his, his relationships with Jerry Lawler, um, uh, with, with just so many people. Anyway, it was what I, what I really needed. It was so exciting. And, and I could see everything flashing again in front of me there. 
his shows. He was so happy about Cactus. He talked about Cactus Jack. He says, you know, I haven't talked to him in 30 years. He says, but I know if I saw him today, it, we would have a big hug. He said, he told Cactus, any show I have, you're on unless you're booked elsewhere. He said when, when, he, when Eddie Gilbert and Cactus had the, the three falls count anywhere in a building, he said he paid them for three matches, hmm. that it wasn't just a one-day payday. Uh, and he told them, just do what you want. But they got three paydays out of that, out of that match. I know we were there for one of them, Johnny. Um, so anyway, it was just wonderful, not bitter, um, very confident, happy what he's done. He gets people contacting him about you know, his contributions. Remember there was a, a um, most in the, in the last year or so in Hamburg, where they used to do the TV tapings events, they had some sort of uh, like at a convention uh, there. Yeah. And Joel was there and he said um, a fan came up to him because they heard that he was going to be there, that he'd have a table. And he said this fan brought him an envelope with all the Joel Goodhart memorabilia that he collected over the years. He wanted Joel to have it in case he didn't have any. It was ticket stubs. It was flyers. It was posters. It was pictures, newspaper clippings. And, Joel was very touched by that, that somebody actually came there, you know, to show appreciation and give him what they had saved on, on Joel's work. Uh, so um, it was, uh, again, it was, for me, it was a home run just to talk to him last night. So I, I look forward to writing up something for and send it off to Greg. And if he has the space, I, I hope he does, that he, he would use it because it was a good, good trip down memory lane. Yeah, and we'd love to bring him on this show uh, to kind of reminisce with him. So uh, that's uh, he'll talk. Can, yeah, I'm sure that that's something that uh, maybe we can we can work on and bring him on here. Mm -hmm. But Donnie, I mean, that was great, very comprehensive, and I knew you were excited when you had the opportunity to get that appointment to talk to him. And and uh, great job on filling. And one other note, he he did say. Um, uh, he said, you know, I met a lot of great people, and and I got a lot of exposure from my shows because of you know, the proximity of Philly to New York. And he says, I met great people like, like, uh, John Arezzi, uh, 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 Smith was there. That's how we refer to you, Bob Smith. Yeah, was he there. Always did. Yeah. After Napolitano. So they, they all gave me good publicity. So, uh, that's where he threw Smith in the conversation. Yeah. 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 He, he used to make <laughs> and, and for he everybody, used to, yeah, go ahead, Bob. He used to chide me about my weight all the time. At some did he really? Yeah. He was merciless. Mercy. I wasn't even heavy. He wasn't, you know, he, was, he wasn't a lightweight. He wasn't no, a lightweight. he wasn't. He wasn't. No. My, like I said, my favorite story about one of his shows it was the sheik tapping me on the shoulder thinking I was Goodhart. Yeah. Because we had similar hair. And yeah. he goes, What time? Something. I went, Uh oh, he thinks uh -oh. I'm Joel. <laughs> and it was, I considered that a great moment in my career because the sheik didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Well, so, you, uh, that's right. And, and I, my last comment on this is, I think one of the craziest things I've ever seen in the wrestling business, I, the Sheik, the original Sheik is at John's convention and he's in total kayfabe, never spoke. The wife took care of everything, but see, <laughs> seeing a Sheik with his sword running through the hotel yeah. lobby, <laughs> people not know what the hell's going on. And they see this man swinging a big sword <laughs> Yeah, especially those who were coming in who were not, had nothing to do with wrestling. Had nothing to do yeah. with wrestling. It was crazy. 
funny stuff. But uh, yeah, the Joel Goodhart stuff is fascinating. And uh, that last show that he did, that day that he announced that he was going out of business, is now up at Patreon, patreon.com slash John Arizzi. You can hear the whole show there. And that is a very interesting hour to listen to. Well, speaking of whole shows, should we get on with the Let's do it, show man. 30 years ago? You know what? We got a musical intro again, and you, you oh, guys really? Really did a great job with those musical starts. So uh, let's hear some music. Wrestling fans, I thought I'd confuse you to start the show off a little bit, uh, but we are broadcasting direct from New York City. For those of you picking up uh, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, wherever you are, welcome aboard. And uh, we have another exciting show for you, a lot of big news in the world of professional wrestling this week. I was out of town covering the WCW Clash of the Champions this past Tuesday and had an interesting meeting with Kip Fry, the new head of WCW. And he's uh, promised open communications with the media and a lot of good things now happening in World Championship Wrestling. Of course, everyone's speculating right now since last week's Royal Rumble on WrestleMania and what will be the main event and what will be some of the matches. We'll speculate on that with you tonight here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. But we have two very special guests we're going to introduce to you. Uh, first, uh, the guy from uh, Utica, New York, who's here each and every week on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, usually by telephone with our Pro Wrestling Spotlight news capsule, uh, Don Liable. Don, how are you? Very good, John, and uh, I'll tell you, it's a real treat to finally come down and see where I'm talking uh, all the time, and uh, look forward to talking to a lot of listeners tonight and some trivia. Okay, and uh, see, seated to my right, if this was television, but uh, it is radio, uh, direct from uh, uh, Worldwide Entertainment Marketing, Mike Omansky and Mike... Uh, uh, has been in the wrestling business for a long time before entering the music business, now with his own company, uh, produces a series of uh, video cassettes, including a series on professional wrestling called Wrestling Classics. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Good to see you again. Hi, well, Donnie. Finally, after many years, getting to see Michael Mansky again. It's a treat, too. And uh, we're going to be here tonight. We're having a special night. We're going to have open phone lines for you tonight at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Speculate along with us, if you will, as far as everything that's happening in the world of pro wrestling including uh, WrestleMania coming up. Uh, we're going to announce uh, a couple of big uh, news stories for you tonight, as we usually do here. And we're giving away prizes. We have uh, video cassettes from Worldwide Entertainment Marketing. We also have uh, video cassettes, uh, uh, Glow video cassettes. We've got three of those to give away, as well as a couple of pairs of tickets to Madison Square Garden for this Friday night. So lots to cover here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And, of course, uh, the weekly newsletter that we publish, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly. Number th number four was mailed out, and that it had uh, Ric Flair on the cover. And uh, I tell you, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly, the response that we've gotten from the listeners here at the program has been tremendous. And uh, we really appreciate all the uh, mail that we've received, the talk about Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly. And this uh, particular issue that was mailed out, number four, uh, talks about Flair, Ric Flair winning the World Wrestling Federation title this past Sunday. Uh, we have a great Matt memory about uh, the Holland Ho Hotel, which used to be the offices of Capital Wrestling uh, editorials, of course. And uh, it's a big, big issue that's out uh, right now. And we're going to be giving away issues to uh, you folks after the show today. 
last week we got such a tremendous response. We're going to stay here later and take uh, your calls if you like a free sample issue of the hottest new newsletter in the business. It's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly. Uh, the hottest new newsletter in the business, guys. <laughs> it was uh, interesting, and I've been reading those over the last uh, few weeks, and it was some pretty cool stuff in those newsletters back then um, with uh, Vince Russo and I, and then, uh, you know, we split. And But, I, I mean, it was the content was really cool back well, then. The, it was you a lot took, of different stuff. I will admit you took a different tack than most newsletters did. I mean, you would you would focus on one thing that wasn't necessarily in the news that week. You would cut, bring up a topic, and you and you would write about that, and that was different. Yeah, and uh, interviews with different uh, where are they nows and the Matt Memories column, which uh, was the first time I ever used that uh, brand name uh, 30 years ago. And uh, so it was some cool. Donnie had a column in it. We had advertising. People could buy wrestling stuff. And uh, so and we had great artwork that uh, Vince Russo found a a guy from the island that did really, really good uh, artwork in there. Illustrations. You know, when we're talking about – little segue there about Michael Mansky. When I first met him, I can remember him walking in or out of Madison Square Garden. Remember, many time, many people before the garden show would go upstairs into the lounge or where the bowling alley was, yep. and the people from Philly would come in, and they would sit there, and, and that's where everybody kind of got together. With George Ann. Yeah, yeah. Mike put out, Richie Marchand and those people, uh, Mike put out a first-rate newsletter. It looked like a little magazine, Wrestling Wonders. Yes. I mean, at that time, it looked so different from the, like, homemade things. Um, and I was blown away by what he produced way back then. And, and I can remember him carrying a briefcase. He always looked, he like, did, so yeah. smart, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. smartest guy around. That's where and, I met him at, that bowling alley. That, that yeah. We used to go, go up there before the show started. And, uh, I, I I used to love that bowling alley. I know. I, I, cool. I, I wasn't it great. You could grab yeah. a bite that was it was cheaper than anywhere else on the strip out there. Yeah, and you you could roll a couple of frames if you like it. Well, but they had it, a great. Was a, remember, remember the gift shop they had? That was a great place. Yeah, it was. It, it was a great place to meet people coming in for the garden sh- uh, from outside the area. And um, anyway, I remember Mike. His newsletter <clears throat> was so impressive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then that was right. Yeah, that's where I met Mike for the first time, and that bowling alley. Uh, I never forget on December tenth, nineteen seventy three, uh, we had a party at that bowling alley uh, before the show started, uh, celebrating Bruno San Martino winning the title that night. You know, and it didn't happen yet, but uh, everybody knew that he was he was back oh, yeah. and he was going to win the title. And Mike was there, and Georgianne and Richie Mershon and a bunch of those guys. And yeah, so those were great memories. Those are really really good memories. And Mike to this day. He will comment on my Facebook post, and he always – every single one of them is about how, what a superstar Hall of Famer John Anthony the wrestler was because he was there in Philly when I got my head handed to me by Dusty. <laughs> oh, God! And he never lets me forget it. Well, I think it's time now for the news capsule. Yes. Which we've redubbed as the time capsule. And uh, this one's a little different too, John. You got really uh, you went over your head this this edition with sound effects at your studio. Oh, uh, it wasn't me. It was the engineers and probably Vinny Russo who was in the uh, control mm-hmm. room. So uh, it was yeah, a, little well, over, a little over the top. Well, we'll get Don's take on how his uh, capsule sounds. Where do you hear this, gang? Here we go. 
And let's go right to our news capsule now with Don Leibel. Thank you, John, and good evening, everybody. Leading off the capsule, news concerning the World Wrestling Federation. The lineup for the Fed's February 8th special to air on the Fox Television Network at 9 p.m. Eastern Time has been announced. Now, four matches will be held on the hour-long telecast. The Legion of Doom and Beverly's Bowen Blake are set to collide. Jake Roberts and Macho Man Randy Savage continue their feud. Roddy Piper will oppose the Mountie, and in the main event, it will be the tag team combo of Hulk Hogan with Sid Justice taking on The Undertaker and new WWF champion Ric Flair. This coming week, the WWF plans on announcing the challenger for Ric Flair for the main event of WrestleMania on April 5th. The extravaganza's two top matches are expected to be Flair and Savage and Hulk Hogan taking on Sid Justice. Looking at the happenings in World Championship Wrestling, the top story surrounds the signing of Jesse DeBody Ventura as a color commentator for the February 29th Super Brawl pay-per-view coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This past Tuesday, Jesse announced the main event in Topeka, Kansas during the Clash of Champions. His agreement with WCW at this time calls for a three-event deal according to a report in this week's Matt Watch. Along with the Clash and Super Brawl, Ventura is scheduled to appear in the cable commercial promoting the pay-per-view. And it looks as if WCW Mike Man Jim Ross will be on the sidelines for Super Brawl as Tony Schiavone and Jesse will be the announcing duo. As for returning to the metropolitan area, WCW is scheduled to return to the Meadowlands Arena on Tuesday, March 31st. Here's the lineup so far penciled in by WCW. It'll be Terry Taylor taking on Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Brian Pillman taking on Ricky Morton, Sting and Rick Rude will be in the main event, the Steiners taking on Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson, in tag action, Ron Simmons and Big Josh will be going against Mr. Hughes and Big Van Vader. Steve Austin and Larry Zabisco taking on Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. And finally, notes from the independent scene. Last evening at the Jewish Community Center in Staten Island, the American Wrestling Federation presented an enjoyable six-match card. In the main event, it was the surfer Sonny Beach and Paul Orndorff coming out ahead of the Kamalas 1 and 2. Barry Horowitz, Sabu, Nikolai Volkov, and Equalizer Zip and Zap were among those on the card. And AWA, AWF officials claim to have several cards lined up in the next month in the New England towns, such as Lowell, Massachusetts, Lewiston, Maine, and Manchester, New Hampshire. Finally, in the rumor mill, coming to WCW, these are some names to look for, Shane Douglas, Marty Jannetty, and Scott Norton. Capital time, 10-10. little Walter Cronkite action on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Old school teletype in the background or whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, it went away after the first minute or so, though. Yeah, so yeah I guess still. The, the, the tape had run out. Yeah. Whatever. Don, you know that was going to happen, or uh, Donnie? Mm -hmm. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I was just excited to be in the studio. Uh, it, it was great, uh, and, and notice that the capsule time ended at ten ten, just like ten ten wins. You know, right? I mean, there you go. Uh, uh, it, was you a, it was exciting that night. It was we went late, and I think uh, yeah, I think Vinny drove with us uh, right uh, to the sh to the studio. Um, that was really neat. Now, was it the first time now, you were at, you were in the studio? Were you in the studio ever before, like NYG or WGBB? Oh yeah, I was at, uh, NYG yeah. and WGBB. So yeah. you had both of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but this was big time then. This, this big was time. New York City. Yeah, mm -hmm. interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a kind of cool to uh, to get you in there and Mike together, and um, it was an interesting program. We went no to the show. Guests. Yeah. What's that? No big guests that night. It was just you and and, my, and Mike. Yeah. The night before, we were at the the show in Staten Island where Sabu was there, uh, Kamala mm -hmm. one, Kamala two, and uh, you know all the results that we just gave there. So that was it was a great weekend. 
Yeah, very, very cool. Well, it was also the time of a, a big clash of the champions. Oh, yeah. Uh, that just took place for WCW the previous week. And uh, as we begin to talk about that in the show, we're going to go into those trivia uh, questions that Mike and Don came up with to try to give away valuable, fabulous prizes, as I recall. <laughs> yes. Which, which you will hear as we enter the clip. Shall we go to it? Yes. This past Tuesday night, uh, I don't know if you gentlemen saw the Clash of the Champions, Mike or Donnie. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a, one of the WCW's better shows, uh, really emphasizing uh, pro wrestling and uh, some of the matches there, the two main events, uh, the Dangerous Alliance just ripping through competition and causing a lot of heat within the organization, and Cactus Jack's uh, false count anywhere. Tremendous matchups. That was an interesting match, and uh, the one thing that Donnie and I were talking about before the broadcast was um, it's going to be interesting to see what the long-term strategy is for WCW, because you take a match like that, and for high, hardcore, die-hard wrestling fans, this type of match at uh, count, Falls Count in the building, on the street, in a pig pen, wherever it ended, is terrific. But is that the type of thing that draws in families, like a World Wrestling Federation card does? And they really need to define themselves, because you saw a lot of different faces of WCW on this broadcast. Yeah, there was. There really was. Especially seeing uh, Sheriff Abdullah come out there in the uh, bullpen there and uh, dunking Missy Hyatt in um, the trough there. Again, uh, uh, what kind of audience are you looking for? Right. The feeling I get from uh, sitting down at the media conference, uh, the press conference that Kip Pry, the new executive vice president of World Championship Wrestling, had for us, uh, I think they're going to be geared. They said they're turning things up a notch. Uh, they're going to be pursuing the very r best wrestlers available, and they're going to emphasize wrestling. Now, during the press conference, Kip had said that they're not going to push wrestlers based on their size or if they have the marketability to sell dolls or toys. Uh, they are going to push wrestlers. And that was a breath of fresh air to hear. Uh, they're certainly going to continue negotiations, bringing in uh, more Japanese performers. And uh, they are very, very excited about what's happening. Just socializing with the wrestlers this past week and getting a, uh, a little bit of an insight for how they feel about Kip Fry, uh, there's a good feeling within the organization. The best, uh, I guess, backstage atmosphere that I've seen in World Championship Wrestling uh, since uh, the mid-'80s, I would guess, uh, and there's a good uh, there's a good feeling about it. Uh, just even watching the show from the backstage area this past week, uh, the wrestlers themselves, it was a team effort for the first time. In WCW, there's been a lot of backstabbing, uh, a lot of backbiting going on. But it looks like they, they've got the nucleus now for a good team. It's team spirit, and everybody wants to see everybody else do well. Well, you've got, a, you've got a couple of interesting acquisitions, too, that they made a couple months ago with Ravishing Rick Root and Ricky Steamboat, who both give tremendous credibility, and Root, of course, moving immediately into the main events. Okay. The other thing, though, uh, John, is that if you compare it, they came a couple days after the Royal Rumble. Don't count the WWF out. If those guys want to wrestle, they can. We saw tremendous performances last Sunday on by Ric Flair, uh, by Rowdy Roddy Piper. And also, uh, I was talking uh, to you earlier, Pat Tanaka in the opening match, along with uh, Owen Hart. I'll tell you, I'd love to see those guys in singles competition. That was a phenomenal tag team match. Okay, it certainly was. And uh, WWF coming along, and I guess WrestleMania coming up... Uh, we're going to give out our feelings later on during the program. Uh, but what we'll do right now is uh, let's give out our first trivia contest uh, question. Donnie or, or Mike? Okay. Uh, first, uh, you've got, uh, the first got Wrestling Classics Volume 1 will be the first prize, I guess. Okay. Featuring uh, a one-hour video uh, featuring Buddy Rogers against Pat O'Connor and a bunch of other uh, great matches, including uh, Rock and Perez. Uh, speaking uh, a few seconds ago, Mike, about the Royal Rumble, yeah. why don't we uh, start off with something uh, pretty easy here. Who won the very first Royal Rumble uh, for the World Wrestling Federation? 
Okay, we're gonna, that's our first question posed to you out there. And as we take your calls here, uh, if you have the answer to that question, if you answer correctly, you win. That's as simple as that. Let's go to our first call tonight. It's Rob from Staten Island. Rob, how are you? Hi, John. How you doing? Good. Do you have an answer to the trivia question? Here, I'll guess Hulk Hogan. Wrong. Rob, that's a red herring guess. Yeah, uh, I, I saw it, but I don't remember who won it, though. I guessed Hulk Hogan. Uh, hi, Mike. How are you? Good, Rob. I recognize this is Rob Santanzo. I don't know if I'm allowed to say his last name, but it just did. Go right ahead. Hogan run this, won, Rob, the second and third Royal Rumble, but the first Royal Rumble was not a pay-per-view event. It was a it freebie. Was a freebie. And oh, it was you're a... right on USA. I remember now. So let's not give the answer out, though. Let's wait till somebody answers it. What can we do for you, Rob? Well, just some comments uh, on uh, your news items you had. You have uh, Macho Man against Flair at... Uh, at WrestleMania. Okay, this is what I think is going to happen, okay? Yeah. Uh, Fox T I think, because yesterday on WCW Superstars, they announced uh, the top five challenges for the title for Hogan. And next week, they're going to make their decision. Uh, Jack Tunney is going to make his announcement on who the challenger for, for Flair, rather, is going to be at WrestleMania. I think they're going to choose Justice next week. They'll announce that on television. However, at the Fox special, that's going to take place on February 8th when Hulk Hogan teams up uh, with Sid Justice against Flair and The Undertaker. I think Hogan and Justice will have a falling out. And I think Hogan will take on Justice at WrestleMania. And I really feel that it's going to be Flair and Savage for WrestleMania as well. Right. Now, does that make Hogan the heel now? Which makes sense, really. Uh... It might. I don't think Hulk Hogan is really going to be a pre predominant factor in the World Wrestling Federation much longer. Uh, he is scheduled to take off, uh, from what I hear through the rumor mill, uh, from WrestleMania through SummerSlam. So uh, I don't, I don't see him winning the title back. Yep. No, that might not be the case, but to turn him into a heel would, would kill the merchandising. I it? don't think he's going to be a heel. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I really don't think Hogan is going to allow himself to be portrayed as a heel. I don't think he's going to disappoint uh, millions of Hulkamaniacs. Yeah, right. I think his, his image is too big as far as with the kiddies uh, that uh, to turn heel would be a wrong move. Well, Sid being the heel makes more sense, yeah. but if Hogan then wins the title from Flair at WrestleMania, then they begin a program with Sid. Uh, I, think, I think it's very, very interesting now the way fans are portraying and perceiving some of these guys. The Undertaker's being cheered everywhere. Uh, Sid is being cheered everywhere. Uh, it's a different way, the way the fans are looking at these guys now. It's really not cut and dry heel and uh, babyface anymore. Right, right. Well, uh, just to change gears on you, I don't know if you saw uh, WCW this past Saturday night, but it, it seemed to be just like a Bill Watts show. I mean, every match uh, had something doing in it, yeah. leading to a match next week or something. How, right? do, how do you like the fact that they're really pushing uh, the fact that uh, uh, that the uh, Steiner brothers defeated the Nasty Boys and the LOD, and I understand they showed... This past Saturday, they yeah, got pinned twice. They showed once by Lex Luger and once by Sting, just to compare and contrast the two pins, but obviously they're trying to accomplish several things at once. Yeah. Right, which is what they normally try to do if they can, I guess. Okay, listen, uh, Rob, thanks for the call. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Very educated fan. Yes. Al from Woodside, you're next. Oh, good evening, John. How are you? Is this Al Fry? This is he. How you doing? And thank you very much for sending my dad the card. He really appreciated it. Okay, that. that's great. I hope he feels better. Uh, I have to guess the answer is uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan won the first Royal Rumble. There you go. Good guess. Uh, thank you very much. You win Wrestling Classics Volume 1. And the crowd goes wild. And the crowd goes wild. Interesting stuff there. I mean, fascinating stuff. Um, of course, you can hear that whole uh, Kip Fry press conference, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. I was doing some research on Kip, and he was, I mean, the atmosphere at WCW when he took over was really a, 
it was a change. It was like a fresh blood because they got rid of Hurd. And once they got rid of Jim Hurd, I mean, it was, it was, everything was looking up. But Kip was there for a short time. I think it was like three months. Yeah. And then they brought Watson. Um, mm-hmm. And he was uh, with Turner Broadcasting for many years. Uh, he actually, during his time with the company, uh, he was in, uh, participated because he was attorney. He participated in the purchase of Castle Rock Entertainment. He was part of the creation of the Cartoon Network and uh, the building of the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then he served uh, as the executive vice president for WCW for a, a few months. And I think politics, backstabbing, and whatever was going on behind the scenes, the guy was brought a breath of fresh air, and then he's gone before you know it. I mean, without even getting a chance to really – prove himself and then after he left wcw he went on to do some incredibly great things in technology so uh uh he was a great guy for that short well, period of time you know as we spoke about in shows during this period wcw bounced back at a time when nobody thought they could yep you know after flair left and the fact that they just didn't ride this a little bit better they brought in bill watts who has a determinately old school way of looking at things, which I kind of like, but boy, did it not work out with Bill Watts and WCW. Oh, no. And one thing Kip was doing also back then was he, he was giving performance bonuses to the guys. If you had a, like a great match, he, you get a bonus. And then when Watts comes in, he's just starts cutting everything, you know, old school, old school stuff. And uh, yeah, I think they missed the mark uh, when they uh, got rid of Kip as quickly as they did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I who had the book then? That's another question. Dusty, because Dusty was at the press conference. Dusty oh, was sitting right, right next to yeah, next yeah. to him, so Dusty had the book. Kip was in there. I think you would ask you how long he was there. Was that like three months, Donnie? Uh, no, I was going to ask you uh, how long did Watts last then? Wow, um, I don't think it was that long. Was no, it? it wasn't. Long. No, it no. wasn't. He, and he got released. Wasn't there some type of uh, racial thing? Wasn't he was, say yes, out of line? Was, there were some angles that people didn't appreciate. There were, yeah. uh, there were some, I, I, you know what? I'm going to have to refresh myself in that. I just know that it and was. Something tells me there was an employee problem with him where he was accused of something with a, a, an employee, Maybe. Uh, but he didn't last that long either. No, so. he did not. He did not. And uh, yeah, I mean, but it was like, uh, you know, going to Kansas city, covering the press conference, seeing the class, you know, how exciting everybody was. And even my delivery that night on the show, I was I was fired up about what I saw in Kansas City or Topeka, I guess it was mm-hmm. uh, when I when I went to that press conference. And uh, and, you know, this is going to be kind of cool for everybody listening to this podcast is that, uh, uh, well, you know, next week we have uh, an amazing show um, with uh, Jesse Ventura, fresh off of his announcement going to WCW. He spends the hour with us. Then Jimmy Cornette the week after. Then Kip Fry for a couple of weeks. So in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, we got some really good stuff to cover here. But uh, talking about tonight's show uh, that we're covering from 30 years ago, uh, really interesting with the trivia and with all this news and excitement from WCW. Well, from you this know, point are, on, I'm sorry, Don, go ahead. No, those are wonderful tapes that Michael Mansky put out with the old footage Black and white, as he used to put on the on the on the cases outside. It said in glorious black and white. Yes. Um, when, when he mentioned the Buddy Rogers match with uh, Pat O'Connor when O'Connor won the title at Kaminsky Park in Chicago, 
I mean, they, you know, literally always hear this, you know, 50,000 here, 40,000. They really did have a full house in Kaminsky Park for that. Uh, I watched the whole show because I remember the kangaroos were also on that show. And uh, when you saw O'Connor and Rogers go at it, to me, it was no different than a, a, a prize fight, a boxing, you know, high level match. Uh, it was really uh, amazing that how the believability and, and the way those two guys looked and worked. Uh, those those tapes were just wonderful. Great footage. I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever got to see any of his work. I mean, uh, I, I they sound good, you know. With They're a guy great. like that behind it, they have to be great, great shows. Yeah. They're they're out there on the internet, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, just so, we have to wonder if there's DVD re-releases or what have you, but uh, right. we're, we're streaming as they do it nowadays for us old timers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to continue on with some uh, more trivia, and we're going to talk about. And I'm, you know, I'm not a negative person, but the subject of one of these trivia questions, for my money, one of the worst wrestlers of all time. Let's let's uh, let's hear this. Howard from North Arlington, New Jersey. Hello. How you doing? Okay. How are you? Okay. Uh, I'll take a shot at that first trivia question. Sure. Baseman Frank Hickey. You got, got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you win a wrestling classics featuring the Sheik. Oh wow! One of my favorites. Uh, question: Do you think possibly that WCW is going in the direction of smaller, quicker wrestlers to not only cater their market a little differently, but also to sort of stay away from the whole steroid issue. I think that they're being forced to uh, push wrestlers right now that uh, may not have that big blown-up physique. And some of the matches that are happening now, um, uh, I think if you see a Savage uh, Flair WrestleMania main event, that's really going to turn a lot of heads. And I really feel that uh, they may be... Uh, forced uh, to start uh, putting together guys like this. You know, John, also I'd like to jump in on that uh, light heavyweight division which they have. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of light heavyweights out there, good workers that uh, deserve a shot. Last night on Sunny Beach, uh, the card that he was involved with on Staten Island, Sabu, uh, a phenomenal young wrestler, yeah. um, light heavyweight, moves well. Uh, guys over in England, Dave Fit Finley, also in Atlanta, David Sammartino's in that weight limit. There's a lot of people, there's, there's potential in that light heavyweight division. What about somebody like Johnny B. Bad? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential right now in the divisions for both uh, leagues as far as uh, there's a lot of great stars out there. You don't have to be big and muscular and blown up on steroids to uh, uh, to be a good wrestler. Uh, listen, we got to run. Do you have your ha do you have Howard's address and uh, name and address in there? I don't think he has my address. Okay. Why don't we put you on hold and uh, we'll get it. We'll get it. Okay. Thank you very much. The Spaceman, guys. Yeah. Any memories remember, of yeah. the Spaceman, Frank Hickey. John, you should use a picture of him. Uh, uh, that you took at, I believe, at Sunnyside Gardens uh, mm -hmm. with a, a match with Manny Soto. You had posted, it was on Instagram or something. I didn't post that. Somebody did. Somebody who joined the Matt Memories uh, group on Facebook. Was. And he used to shoot pictures at Sunnyside, and that's where I saw Frank Spaceman Hickey. And I Spaceman was like, with, with the with the, the space with that, helmet on. With the whatever. helmet, he wore like a space helmet, like the great kazoo from the Flintstones. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> one of one of the most inert professional wrestlers I have ever seen. I'm sorry, he yeah. barely oh, moved. He was yeah, nothing he was, but was gimmick. Not and, it, and if I say <laughs> the gimmick was cheesy, it's an insult to Velveeta. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it was, really, yeah. and you know, his his old trivia for you guys. It was around 90 or 91 when uh, in uh, USWA, Memphis, he made a comeback. 
Oh no. I didn't know I, that. You know, I do. Gary Lawler's son, Brian Christopher, brought him into an angle where he was going to team with Brian Christopher and Frank the Spaceman Hickey because, you know, Brian Christopher was so good he could take on anybody as a tagging partner. And so they trot out Frank Hickey with his Spaceman outfit from the 50s. And he was probably in his 70s at this point. It's, it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. <laughs> well. Frank Hickey, Frank Hickey. Uh, I, I, am I wrong about his wrestling acumen? I mean, it no. was it was just he was a special attraction. I, put it that way. I, I would yeah. put him in the same category of Vincenti Bull Pimenti, uh, yeah. Juan Caruso, Frank right. Hickey, and Juan uh, maybe with the bolo. yeah, Pancho <laughs> Valdez, Pancho Valdez, Pancho Valdez. And maybe uh, Tricky Thomas Marin with the mule kick. <laughs> yeah, Tricky Thomas Marin. I oh, I, I, can back. Of, I can think of only one wrestler who's on Frank Hickey's, and God rest his soul, I don't know if he's still with us, but Pinky Larson. Pinky Larson. Pinky Larson. He used to set the rings up, too, that guy. Didn't he set the rings up? I but and you know they he was getting he was getting appearances as recently as the mid seventies, late seventies. Like if somebody didn't show at a small arena, they would throw him in there. Pinky I used Larson. To set, let me tell you something. When I was thirteen and fourteen years old, I would take off from school the day that they had the matches at Sunnyside Gardens, and I'd get there early in the morning, and Pinky would come with the ring, uh, maybe between eleven and twelve. And I'd help him set up the ring, and I get to stay in for free. I got the broom. I swept the ring out. Oh, boy, I thought I was the greatest thing ever. But Pinky Larson, there's there's, there a, name. there's a name out of the past. I, I, a couple more bits of Pinky Larson trivia. Number one, it's the first professional wrestler I ever talked to. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was reading the Kaiser books and saw that he beat somebody in, in Pennsylvania no. or something. And, and I, 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 no, no, he did. And I walked up to him and said, Hey, I saw you, you beat blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, I murdered that guy. And it started about a 20 minute conversation. <laughs> he used so to I felt everybody. really special. That, and secondly, he jobbed on television under the name Bimbo Larson. Ah. When I was around him, he called everybody Stagagets. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> everybody was Stagagets. But I, I, I think Pink, Pinky's claim to fame is that they would throw a pair of tights on him if mm -hmm. a bunch of people didn't show. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he was probably the resort. last choice for anything. Yeah, and he only came up to about my belt buckle. So yeah, it was like, tiny. Yeah. So here's, here's to you, Pinky. If you're out there anywhere, we we miss you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We miss you and Frank Hickey. Yeah, right. Yeah. And all the other great classic. Uh, you know, we loved all these guys. Let's face it. Right. When we were younger, hey, we were talking about guys. them, you know, all these years later. Yeah. yeah we yeah. remember them. Now, in our next hey, clip. Of, uh, and, and of course, Lee Wong ahead. from Hong Kong. Oh, yeah, Lee Wong. Okay. <laughs> oh, what? you know, he wrestled in the garden, you know. They yeah, wrestled in the garden. garden. He wrestled yeah. in the garden. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a clip out there now of him getting demolished by Blackjack Mulligan. Wow. From 1973. Just tune into YouTube and you can call it right up and watch that. So anyway, a guy named Paul calls, and I just liked his voice, so I put this clip in. <laughs> I just thought this guy had a tremendous voice. And he lets us know who beat the Midnight Rockers for the AW Tag Team Championship before they left for the WWF. More chaos ensues, including some wild sound effects. So uh, 
Here's, here's more of those fateful days from yesteryears in this clip. Let's go right now to Paul from Queens. Yes, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I think I have the answer. Bad company? Is that it? Yes, it is. Very good. All right. I tell you, it was a manager with Simon Dallas Page. And you win wrestling classic right. strangest matches. Way to yeah. go. I remember that because, uh, what he called, I was, he, they were in the AWA and Larry, Larry somebody was the Nelson. Larry Nelson was the announcer at that time. No, that's great. Yep, yep. Also, I have a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, number, number one, do you think that, uh, what do you call it, the WWF and the WCW will merge together? No. And, and also, number two, what happened to some of these pe people like like J.J. Dillon or, or uh, what do you call it, Tully Blanchard? And I was just wondering, do you think that a guy like Larry Zabisco, because I heard him on the AWA challenge Hulk Hogan to wrestling match. Do you think that that ever happened? I'll tell you what, I'll just take your questions in order here, okay? J.J. Uh, Dillon is working in the WWF front office, that's number one. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Number two, you were asking about to Tully Blanchard. Tully retired from wrestling. He's now a minister down in North Carolina. He's a born-again Christian, and uh, he has his own ministry down in the Carolinas. And as far as uh, the third thing you were wondering, Zabisco with the AWA uh, challenging uh, Hogan. Hogan, that's not going to happen because uh, uh, Larry, who has been on this program on another radio station, says he would never go back to uh, uh, the clowns and the circus atmosphere of the WWF and uh, the steroid monsters, as he's called them. But you think he's a good wrestler? Larry, I think he's a great wrestler, yes. Okay. Okay, listen, they have your address in there? Uh, I'll, I'll give it to them again. Okay, hold on one second, okay? Okay, let's, let's go to the next call here. Let's toss out another question that, first. That's a good just idea. Just to make sure. Uh, this one goes back once more in time. Uh, Tank TNT Morgan, Bull yeah. Ortega, Bull Ramos, Tarzan Tyler, Hans Mortier, Bulldog Brower, Maniac John Tolis, Ernie Cat Ladd, and Cowboy Rocky Fitzpatrick, who was really Bob Orton, all had something in common. They all wrestled Bruno San Martino for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship in Madison Square Garden and other arenas. Regarding the matches against San Martino at Madison Square Garden, what else do all those people have in common? Hmm. And uh, while we're at it, let me throw out one here, too. Uh, give you uh, two chances to win, maybe two tapes. Um, when Freddie Blassie came to the World Wrestling Federation as a manager, who was the first man Freddie Blassie managed in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That's about 1974-73. Right, and we'll give, uh, for the first question, we'll have Wrestling Classics featuring Buddy Rogers with the six-man tag team match. And for your question, we'll have Wrestling Classics featuring the fabulous Kangaroos. Okay, great. All right, let's go back on the line right now. Tony from Glen Cove. Yeah, good evening, John. How are you? Good, uh, how you doing? Good. Two quick questions, one personal. How's your dad doing? He's hanging in there. You know, he had major sur surgery, uh, uh, due to sugar diabetes, but uh, was with him uh, tonight to stop in and visit him, and his spirits are really high, and he's appreciated the cards and letters he received from the listeners. Good, glad to hear it. Thank My you. question, John, uh, rumor has it, I consider you guys, bottom line, you tell it like it is. What's the rumor of uh, Hitman Hart going to the WCW? Well, uh, that has seriously been negotiated, uh, not only for Hart, but Marty Jannetty and uh, Shane Douglas are all rumored and reported to be going to WCW. Now, how soon this will happen uh it could happen uh, as early as spring it could happen maybe earlier for Janetti, from what i've heard is it because financial differences or uh i think they just want to change the atmosphere you know they know they don't have to uh uh they know they could get a better shot in uh, wcw as far as getting uh, pushes from the promotion uh, based on their talent you know these guys are all talented wrestlers Okay? Okay, thanks, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, if you have the answers to those qu trivia questions also, please feel free to call in. 212-477-5610 is the number. 
Josh from Roslyn, you're next. Hi. Um, I'll take a shot at uh, the trivial question regarding the uh, guys that wrestled Bruno. Okay. Um, wild guess, were they all tag team, former tag team champions? No. No. Okay, uh, I have a question for John. Yes. Um, are the, what are the Legion of Doom going to do once they lose their belts? I heard that they're going to be going to Japan, but um, okay. are they going to be going back to the WCW after that? Here's the deal about Legion of Doom. Uh, I heard that their contracts are up in June. And, uh, you know, from what they're saying, uh, there's a possibility of going back to WCW. There's a possibility of them going to Japan as well. Uh, this, uh, you know, nothing's been confirmed yet as far as they go, but this is, they, they have their careers ahead of them still. They'll make their own decision, you know. They can go where they want. And if, 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 you, if you have to ask me as far as a personal feeling, a gut feeling, I think they'll be out of the WWF in June. Another question. Um... Is this new guy that's running the WCW, Kip Fry is his name? Yes. Uh, is he going to be? Is he just interim, or is he? No, he's appointed permanently. Okay. And based on what I've seen of him this week, uh, I think it's it's going to be great for the wrestling business in general. He's got a lot of fresh and new ideas. He's already appointed a, a vice president along with him, Sharon Sedella, I believe her name is, and she'll be helping with marketing uh, of the stars and also marketing uh, pay per views. And I think there's a fresh attitude there. Okay, Josh. Okay, thanks, thanks for your call. Okay, 212-477-5610. We've got another 22 minutes to go here approximately. Anthony from Brooklyn, you're next. Yeah, hello, John. Is the answer to the trivia question Lou Albano? Mike? No. And mine is no also. <laughs> no. Okay, i got another question for you. Okay. Then. Why did they take the title from Bret Hart to put it on Roddy Piper? Well, there's a couple of reasons uh, I've heard. There, there's been reasons due to the fact that he was talking to WCW. Uh, I don't know what the real bottom line reason is, but that's just a speculation I've heard. Right. And do you think that Savage is going to get the title at WrestleMania? No. No? Who do you think it's going to be? I think Flair is going to hold it. He's going to keep it? Yeah. So maybe Vince will use him to what he should be doing. I, I hope. I think that's the case. I think there could be a change of philosophy there. At least I'm hoping there is. Yeah, we'll find out more so. as the weeks progress. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we'll really find out what's going on. Right. Thanks for your call. Okay, John. Take care. Okay. Paul Bye. from Flushing, you're next. Paul, are you there? Yes. What can we do for you tonight? Oh, uh, well, uh, first I want to answer the question. Go ahead. Uh, can you repeat it for me, though? Donnie, go ahead. Who was... Uh, Freddie Blassie's first protege in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. This is back about 1974, uh, 73. Uh, I believe it was Hulk Hogan. Nope. nope. No. Good guess, but hey, he came uh, later. Well, I have just uh, some things to say. First of all, uh, I was reading um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I don't know if you know that. And um, it said that Van Hammer, who's in the WCW, mm -hmm. is... Um, the Ultimate Warrior, and I watched it. Where'd you hear this? Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think you, uh... Don't believe everything you read. Yeah, if you're exactly read right. But, but I also saw it, and, um... It, no, that's no way. How can, you, how can you say that? I don't know. I mean, that's what I read, and, uh... Well, look at the TV and, uh, clean your eyes, put a little Visine in them, and, uh... uh <laughs> you'll see correctly, I would guess. Coleman is our next caller from Greenlawn. Coleman? Hello? Yeah, you're next. Oh, yeah, this is Joe. Joe? Yeah. I thought I said Joe. A call, it said Coleman on my sheet here. I'm sorry. Joe, go ahead. Okay. Um, Is the answer on George Steele? No, it's not. Okay. I just have a couple of questions. Okay, quickly. Um, why don't you think, um, was that true with the whole Bret Hart situation about the flu, or was that just an excuse because he lost the belt? Uh, he, he, I don't think he had the flu, no. And um, another thing, do you think the Beverly Brothers are going to win the belts from the Legion of Doom? No way. No. no? 
No, it won't happen. Okay, listen, thanks for your call. Guys, they wanted those videotapes. Oh, yeah. I didn't want those sound effects, though. I mean, it was like every caller, everything. The, the, and they were getting more extreme as the show went on. Yeah. Did you know they were coming? No. Oh, so your producer kind of felt that he yeah, was going to. Yeah, uh, he, he took the liberty. I thought it was on a Snoopy sales show or something. It was crazy. <laughs> it was like, it was really like it was almost like a Saturday morning kids show or something. Yeah, all these like, boings and, and blips and twangs and yeah. you know it was it was like a Flintstones cartoon. It was. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, let's let's get this last one uh, done here. Uh, okay. I think the the first one of the first trivia questions finally gets kind of sort of answered in this clip. Um, it was. I, I, Don, I got to be honest with you. Mike's Mike's question was kind of obtuse, the one about Bruno Sammartino. I just thought I thought you had to be a fly on the ring apron to understand this question and and know the answer to it. So let's see if you all feel the same way after listening to this. Let me throw one more in. That's a multiple choice question. Uh, very simple. There's I'm going to give you eight tag teams. Which of the following eight tag teams were never? Worldwide Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. Toro Tanaka and Mr. Fuji, Buddy Rogers and Handsome Johnny Barron, Tony Gurria and Haystacks Calhoun, Lou Albano and Tony Altamori, Adrian Adonis and Dirty Dick Murdoch, Great Scott and Killer Austin, The Fabulous Kangaroos, Johnny Valentine and Argentine Apollo. Which of those tag teams were never WWWF Tag Team Champions? Okay, not only will you win a video from Mike, uh, but we'll also give you a pair of tickets to this coming Friday's Madison Square Garden Wrestling Show. By the way, don't miss World Wrestling Federation action featuring the Macho Man Randy Savage against Jake the Snake Roberts in their bitter grudge match. Also, Bret Hitman Hart against The Undertaker and Sid Justice, Justice versus the Mountie at Madison Square Garden this Friday, January 31st at 8 p.m. World Wrestling Federation action. Don't miss it. And uh, we will give away a pair of tickets. <laughs> We feel like we're in vaudeville here tonight, folks. Let's go to, I don't even know where we are as far as callers or anything, though. The lines are lighting up like crazy here. That's so uh, opera. I think, the station is, I think the station has got to invest in a computer screen, perhaps, with callers and stuff like that. We'll, I'll talk to management tomorrow, and they'll get thrown out. Uh, let's go right from the top. We're going to go right from the top here. Rob from uh, Rockwood? Yes, Rockwood Park. Where's that, Rob? That's in Queens. Okay, what can we do for you? Uh, well, first of all, let me try to answer one of the trivia questions. Okay. Uh, something, you said one of them was Scott and Killer. You mentioned those names. This is just a total guess. Great Scott and Killer Austin? No, they were uh, U.S. Tag Team Champions in 1963. Oh, okay. Do you have any other questions? Yeah, let me let me throw that one at you we've had out for a while. Freddie Blassie's first uh, protege in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation when he became a manager. Uh, we also said that he... Uh, participated in the Royal Rumble the, the, that just took place a week ago. He wrestled last night in Staten Island. He also teamed up uh, with uh, Boris Zukov and was managed by Slick. Oh, uh, uh, Nikolai Volkov. You got it. Yes, can I have the tickets? Yeah, you got, her. you got the tickets too. Great. Thank you. Okay, uh, listen, we're going to put you on hold, uh, Rob, and you, you've won the tickets. And Wrestling Classics featuring the Fabulous Kangaroos. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's been a remarkable... Uh, this Turn looks like a Christmas tree. This is amazing. I know. It's pretty wild. Okay. Uh, we're going to take more, more calls here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and uh, we'll be here, as I said earlier, for another 10 minutes or so. Let's go to Jerry on line number one. Jerry, you're next from Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, uh, what was the other question you got? Which uh, we have two questions out there right now? 
We have a tag team question out. Uh-huh. And uh, a Bruno San Martino question out. Oh, uh, what was the choices? Of which one? The tag team? Yeah, the tag team. Tanaka and Fuji, Rogers and Barron, Gurria and Calhoun, Adonis and Murdoch, Fabulous Kangaroos, Valentine and Apollo, who are not tag team champions. Valentine and Apollo. That's correct. Okay. Valentine right. and Apollo were top team but never champs, and you win wrestling classics featuring the Fabulous Kangaroos. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, we're going to take our next caller here. Hold on, we'll get your address. Donnie, go ahead. I'll give him a, another question here. Uh, when Kerry Von Erich, who's the Texas Tornado now with the World Wrestling Federation, he won the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship in Dallas, Texas. Who did uh, Kerry Von Erich defeat to win the NWA World title? Good question. Good question. We'll like go to, we'll to Mel from Jericho. Mel, you're next. Hello, John. Yes. I have answered the question. Go ahead. Uh, Rick Flair. You got it. You just hit the slot machine. Okay, no. Wrestling okay, Classics no. Volume 2. Wrestling Classics Volume 2. Wrestling All right, John, I got a, cover. Go ahead, go ahead. I got a question. Go ahead, Mel. All right, is, is it definite that Savage is taking on Flair or what? That's just my uh, reports I've been receiving and my speculation, my own little crystal ball. All right, uh, can I just report a little local wrestling TV show, wrestling radio show that That's I've been listening to the last couple of weeks? Well, what, which one is that? It's on 88.5 FM. Okay. It's in Sassett. It's on Mondays, 4 to 5. It's just a little wrestling show. Please tune in. Thank you. Okay, we'll send you the bill for the plug in the mail this week, and uh, we'll go to our next caller. And I think this is Eric from... Is that Was that Eric, or is this Eric? Is this is Eric, that, Eric is from Roslyn? Yeah. How you doing? Hi. Uh, is there a new question out there yet? Donnie, give him an easy one. How's that? We're running out of time. All righty. Uh, Greg Valentine was the uh, one-time Intercontinental Champion in the World Wrestling Federation. Um... Who did Greg Valentine beat to win the Intercontinental title? Tio Santana. Bingo. Bingo. We've got a wrestling classics featuring Buddy Rogers in a six-man tag team match, the Tolles Brothers, Ed Carpentier against Skull Murphy, all on one tape with two other matches. Okay. Now we're going to take our next call. We'll put you on hold, and uh, we'll take our next call. John from Walden. Hello. Is this Walden, Massachusetts? Walden, New York. Okay. Where's that? Uh, upstate. By Newburgh and Middletown and whatnot. Super. How'd you hear about the show, John? Uh, I was I was just, uh, somebody told me about it, and I've been a wrestling fan for a long time, and I was like, oh, this is great. I've been listening for the hour, and I, I just can't believe it. Well, well, you keep know, it. I, it. The only information I ever get, you know, I, I don't really, like, watch the wrestling just, you know, for the wrestling. I like to see, you know, it's like a soap opera, and I like to see how it forms out, and it's like, now I get an advantage, you know? Well, you know, we're not going to pull any punches here for you, that's, well, that's for sure. That's great. That's uh, great. Um, what can we do for you tonight? Uh, you got, is there a question still out? Is the Bruno question still out there? Still out. It is? We've established all those people lost to San Martino at Madison Square Garden. What do they have in common about the losses? Didn't they get stoked in under a minute? Uh, I'm going to give it to them on that one. That's not true, but, the, but you got the gist of it. The idea is they all lost the first time out to Bruno, and they did, uh, in many cases, they lost fairly quickly. Mortier won 22 minutes. Bull Ramos lasted three minutes. Tank Morgan lost in two straight falls in about 10 minutes. So I'm going to give it to him, and we'll get you a tape for that one, uh, Wrestling Classics, featuring Buddy Rogers. That's great. That's all right. great. All uh, right, super. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be listening every week because this is, this is fantastic stuff. Man. Well, we appreciate that. Next week we're going to have a special guest, Jesse the Body Ventura. You'll be taking, uh, he'll be taking calls. Oh, really? That's, that's, that's great. Well, a lot of I happy a lot of happy agree. fans. Yeah, yeah. But a lot uh, of happy fans with their videotapes. Their yes, everyone was uh, happy. Everyone was going home with a prize. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at least. At least. 
So it was and, a, interesting. Interesting. It was a fun show, though. I th- I thought that it was different. So. And after all the heaviness of the, you know several of the previous weeks, you had a chance to let off a little steam in that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was kind of it was very cool uh, to kind of break uh, format a little bit and 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 have Donnie in the studio and Mike in the studio and and talk about what happened in in, in uh, Kansas. Uh, with WCW. So, yeah, I mean, and I think today's show was really, really cool with the uh, Greg Oliver uh, guest appearance and with us reminiscing and talking about Joel Goodhart. So, uh, and the clips. So I think we had a nice little uh, uh, well-rounded, interesting show tonight, guys. I do believe you are correct, sir. Yes. And I do have an update. Remember uh, last week we talked about like there was a gap of several weeks uh, that we were not going to have shows uh, because we might have not been on the air or whatever. Here's what happened, okay? I, you know, me, uh, me digging into archives and opening up other boxes of stuff. Uh, obviously, next week uh, will be the episode uh, that we bring Jimmy Cornet, uh, uh, Jeffy Jesse Ventura on, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have Jimmy Cornet, then we have Kip Fry, and then there was a missing show. Which I have found. Oh. And I am very happy I found it because it's a live remote from the press box, I believe, in Brooklyn, New York. The first WEVD live remote in front of a big crowd with none other than Cactus Jack. Wow. So I am thrilled about that because I look at the numbers of the show and that comes in at episode number 148. And then... uh, uh, we are off the air um, after that show. So we are off the air for a couple of weeks, for two two weeks. And then we hit them back with episode 149, uh, based in my archives, uh, with the sex scandal show. So uh, there is a show that has been found. And it goes in numerological order. So it doesn't mean like the shows are missing. Um, it's just that we were off the air for two weeks uh, when it comes to the beginning of March. So... That's uh, that's the update here, guys. Very interesting. Uh, yes. A live remote show. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I found so many interesting tapes, and I gotta I gotta talk to Rue, Vinny Rue, again when we when we split up, <laughs> because when that happens, and I found these two first shows of his from WGBB, which I I'm gonna put up for patrons. But that show that we break up, that show that when I announce, I'm not with him anymore. Uh, the show was on us obviously on a on a Sunday night. That day, before I went on the air, I had a conversation with Russo, and because of all the volatility and everything that was going on, I taped the conversation and I found the tape. Mm-hmm. So that entire conversation has been documented, and I am going to probably send it to him, play it for him uh, to get permission to see if he'd come on to discuss it. Holy smokes. And that's a s- explosive stuff. I mean, it's there's some really legal uh, things and uh, uh, him claiming ownership of the name. I think name. I remember that. I think I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the uh, conversation, and I also have his first two, his first two debut shows, which actually debuted on GBB uh, almost immediately after our breakup. Now, the John, week, he's on Vic- Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling on WGBB. Did, did he have a, a, a sidekick like the rat or something Matt like rat. that? Matt Rat. Matt Rat. It was, was his it. friend, uh, Jimmy or Chris was his name, who he eventually brought to WWF with him. 
uh, and who you, who played the voice of like a little squeaky, um, uh, like a rat, like a little rat, like a squeaky <laughs> voice. And Vince's persona on these shows, Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling, his persona immediately changes from like this low key that guys that you've heard here on this program to this obnoxious ranting lunatic mm-hmm. that that makes his debut on radio on our old home at WGBB and I'm happy to say it's all documented so uh, mm-hmm. we look forward to all of the stuff that we got coming up I mean there's some incredible stuff but uh, guys I want to thank you all uh, Bob of course and Donnie and uh, Alex sitting there and patiently listening to all this craziness and but I really enjoyed uh, today's program and it was a little different for everybody. And uh, I do want to also make an announcement that um, I have an email address for all of you who would like your questions answered on the show. And we want to start a segment that, you know, Bob, uh, Donnie, I mean, we all, we want to answer your questions. So uh, your comments, your opinions, uh, please start sending them off to pro wrestling spotlight, ja at gmail.com each week. Uh, beginning with our next episode, um, we will choose questions from our listeners. Uh, so have your voice heard. Whether it's questions about the shows we've aired, suggestions, comments, send them to ProWrestlingSpotlightJA gmail.com. And patrons can also participate. Uh, but send me a direct message at Patreon.com slash John And no matter what platform you listen to the show on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, Audacity, iHeart, they have links you can share on your social media that helps us grow the audience and give it a five-star review and review it on Apple as well. This will wrap up this edition of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You can join our private group at facebook.com slash pro wrestling spotlight. Our public page to share history is facebook.com slash John Arezzi's Matt Memories. There's a private group with that name as well. YouTube channel that will feature clips from all our shows is at youtube.com slash pro wrestling spotlight. Subscribe to the channel now, please. You could follow me at Twitter at John Arezzi, Instagram at John Arezzi as well. And as we spoke earlier, if you'd like a signed and numbered copy of my memoir, Matt Memories, just send an email to me, john at mattmemories.com. We have lots of merchandise now available. Our partner, Forward Merch, up in New Hampshire, has a Pro Wrestling Spotlight store ready to ship some great stuff to you. Right now, there are T-shirts, caps, hoodies, autographed posters, books, and more available now. TinyURL.com slash PWS store. And don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the Mecca of all arenas 50 years ago to the day the show takes place. And uh, that show is uh, co-written by Richie Garcia, who does all the research for that, and co-hosted by Tim Poutre. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is A-Rob, Alex Robertson. Donnie Liable covers all the time capsule news each week and brings us up to date with all the things that he's doing as well. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative directors are friend Marsh, and thanks to Patreon executive producers Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh and all the patrons for your support of the production of the show. 
Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.